How many it, different it. ways do you think he said "I am Groot" in those movies? And yeah, did he actually he emoted each he one specifically, emoted. or did he Hundreds. just go in and do like <laughs> "I am Groot" just like two hundred takes in different ways, and then they just cut it in? However, I hope they did they it the like, second way. It was there were like twenty do, minutes of work. He got like two million bucks. All right, they were like, "Do sad." Do happy. Do whimsical. Okay. Uh, now, now say it like three hours later. Now say it like you just got an email that you're still paying rental insurance from a condo you had seven years ago. That one would be like, yeah, we've got enough man. options. No, no, no. Two more. Do it like you're holding in a fart. Welcome to Bench Reactions, an NBA podcast brought to you by Glass House, White Ferrari, Live for New Year's Eve. I'm your host, Patrick Hervey, and I'm joined today by four guys that I'm pretty sure have already broken multiple New Year's resolutions. Zach Burnham, Jason Lamprick, Chase Baker, and Dan Lyons. What's up, my guys? Actually, yeah, yeah because say that. You, uh, you made me record late. I was supposed to be asleep. <laughs> New Year's resolution, that's it. Stand up. All night, baby. You can't blame us. <laughs> Dangerous nights. What are we supposed to do? <laughs> I mean, in our defense, it's uh, it's it's the morning of January first for Zach. He's almost in January second in Pakistan, but he was a trooper and he's uh, he's going to record with us anyway. Sorry, Wait, Zach. Jay, can you tell Jay, us what, what happens? <laughs> Zach, can you tell us what happens on January second so that we know what to expect? <laughs> Just Zach, read the newspaper. What does it say? <laughs> Show us the newspaper. Zach, who wins? This, who, who wins the, the, the all the games tomorrow so we can put a bunch of bets on them? Zach, who won the 2016 World Series? <laughs> the, wait, the games tomorrow or the games today? <laughs> what day are we? Oh, Our tomorrow. Right. Your today. Who am I? <laughs> oh, that was sorry. Amazing. No, it's great. It's great. Um. All right. Well, speaking of of New Year's, uh, we're gonna we're gonna go through our New Year's resolutions today before we wrap up with Chase's mud pie moment of the week. But first, boys, we got some news of the week that we need to get through. Perhaps the most important slash exciting news of the entire twenty twenty three twenty four NBA season: the streak is over for the Detroit Pistons. Let's give them a round of applause. <laughs> they did it, you guys. What they is dead it. may it's, never die. It's Woo! over. It's done. <laughs> it is done. <laughs> cast the ring in the fire. Uh, well, they did. They cast the ring in the fire after 28 straight losses in a row. I got to be honest with you guys. I was getting a little nervous in that Raptors game the other night as I was tracking it on my phone while we were in the grocery store. Um, felt like they tried to give the, way, the, the game away multiple times but still came out with the what was it 129 127 victory despite being up by like seven points with a minute left um almost blew it uh what do you guys think is this the start of uh you know some some better luck for the the pistons or are we going to start another losing streak here this week they're beating the rockets tonight book it it's happening it's on the road in houston which makes me concerned uh but (laughs) especially at new year's yeah (laughs) yeah let's let's let the losing streak have them have them nice and and making healthy decisions last night you know they're 
they're humbled. They probably had to come up with their new user solutions a few days early. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I let's 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 cross our fingers that a winning streak comes off of a losing streak. They got the Rockets, and then they have the Jazz. So hey, man, could be a three-game winning streak. No, no offense to uh, Dan and Chase. And then they have the Warriors. I don't know, man. Four games? Why not? Never say never. I mean, look, the thing is, is they've they've been in, you know, at least the last few games. They've been in all the games, right, up until the very end. The Boston game went to overtime. The Nets game came down to the final couple minutes. So I don't know, man. I still, I, I, I haven't watched this much Pistons basketball in a long, long time. Cade, I will never, ever give up on you. And Jaden Ivey, I will also never give up on you. Um, they've got pieces, man. I know we said it over and over again. I I still really like the bones of this team. Um, it was really fun to see just how happy and relieved Cade and Monty were after the win on Saturday night. Um, they deserve it, man. You know, 28 losses in a row. That's quite the feat. So I'm glad they finally uh, climbed out of it. Did you see Jalen Duran talking about how much better it is to hear "Let's Go Pistons" than "Sell the Team"? <laughs> I missed that. <laughs> That's so good. They started chanting "Let's Go Pistons" with like ninety seconds left in the game, uh, and when it would look like it was in hand, and it <laughs> almost barely, wasn't. barely was. Um, it, yeah, after the game, he just goes, "Yeah, it's just much better to hear that than sell the team." <laughs> makes sense my question checks my, out my question is uh is Cade going to continue his transcending wins and losses mentality <laughs> after this win his all those quotes from him after games being like look man it's not about it's not about wins it's about losses it's about the beauty of the game <laughs> like i just i wonder if uh if he's gonna maintain that mentality we'll see i'm pretty sure that was a fake quote that somebody put on twitter dan by the way no the i never you just referenced <laughs> <laughs> I never get uh, I never get got by fake quotes quotes on Twitter. I don't know what you're like, talking about. I know exactly what quote you're talking about, and it was definitely written by some dude on Twitter. <laughs> dude, Dad's whatever New Year's mentality... resolution: don't get got on Twitter. <laughs> I think I've already broken that. Dude, whatever mentality has him playing the way he's been playing, he should keep it. He's a he's a freaking superstar, and even though it has has not translated to wins and losses. Um, yeah, I think he had he's gonna need 12, no assists or no, no, no turnovers. It's amazing. It was an amazing game, but he's going to have to keep the mentality because they're still going to do a lot of losing, even if it's not another 28 <laughs> game losing streak, but I am going to take it as a win for the Burnham curse, reverse psychology, Burnham curse gave him the mud pie and then they turned it around. Every time it works. Dude, I know forgot it about that. Direction. Yeah. We'll see who Zach blesses today that immediately goes on a 10-game losing streak. It's going to be rough. Well, uh, speaking of of things looking up for some teams, uh, we got a trade, boys. We got our our first big trade of the season. OG Ananobi, as Dan would say, Ananubi, uh, was traded. (laughs) Never going to live that one down. (laughs) It's the best. I love it. Uh, it was traded to the Knicks, and then uh, R.J. Barrett and Manuel quickly to the Raptors. The full details of the trade, Knicks got OG, Malachi Flynn, and Precious Achua. And then the Raptors got R.J. Barrett quickly and a second rounder. I would love to hear, uh, I know, Zach, you sent out some thoughts on the, the text thread. would love to hear kind of your your grades for both sides, how you feel about the trade and, and uh, 
you know, who potentially won the trade. I'm going Knicks. I feel like they didn't have to pay full freight for OG. They gave up really good pieces. RJ Barrett is a good player, but I think we've seen that he is not an all-star caliber guy. And he doesn't really fit very well around Jalen Brunson. I don't know if anyone fits well around Julius Randle, but Brunson's the guy we're more uh or worth thinking about more these days. Um OG is a better defender than Barrett. He's a better shooter than Barrett. Uh he's not quite the creator, but I think they have enough creation coming from uh Jalen Brunson. We'll see if Miles McBride can sort of take up pick up the slack that is left by quickly in the backcourt uh off the bench. I think it's a good trade for the for the Raptors. I feel like they could have gotten more. I don't know why a first-round pick isn't included in this deal. But maybe they're very high on R.J. Barrett and on starting to build that truly Canadian team up there. Yeah, I've I've never, I mean, I've told you guys, I've never been a huge RJ guy, but I will say, I just don't think within the context or the, the kind of framework that the Knicks had created that he was ever going to be successful or reach his full potential. When you're playing alongside two really ball-dominant guys like Brunson and Julius Randle, and I think RJ has the potential be, to, to be a more ball-dominant guy, I just don't think it was ever going to work. So I am at least interested to see, does this open up more growth you know possibilities for him as an especially as an offensive creator kind of off the dribble because he does have the ability to get to the rim he's not the most athletic guy in the world but I think he's a pretty decent finisher um so we'll see what this looks like for for Toronto I will say I, I do think that quickly is a pretty underrated pickup by the Raptors I don't think he's being talked about a ton he's been really good this season man and I, obviously a lot of that's gone under the radar because of Jalen Brunson but picking up a guy like quickly um, taking a little bit of a flyer on RJ, I think makes sense, especially when you're trading away OG, who I, I, I mean, I've seen some crazy numbers thrown out for him for his extension coming up next summer when he becomes extension eligible. There were some numbers thrown out like $40 million plus a year. I personally think that's absurd for a guy that averages like 15 points a game. I know he's a really, really good defender, but if you're going to tie up that much of your cap on a guy like that, I just don't know if that's going to be... Uh, well, if you're the, the Raptors, I think it makes sense for a team like the Knicks, where I do think he's a perfect fit next to uh, to Brunson. Dan, uh, do you remember what you got for OG last year? So you just this is your moment to shine, stunt on people. Man, I I remember all I remember is that he was the bell of, of the of our trade game last year. I don't remember the actual haul, but I do remember it was ridiculous. I remember being the Hawks and trading away a lot for him. Is that what you're referencing, Jay? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which, in my defense, uh, I think the Hawks could benefit from OG now. Just going to throw that out there. It was a good deal then. It's a good deal now, man. Exactly. I know. Uh, I think it was like I think I gave away like AJ Griffin, DeAndre Hunter, and like a bunch of firsts. Yeah, there were like I think it was like three first rounders for OG. Who I just remember I screwed somebody. For the, the the there was some initial offer that was like oh yeah a I think it's probably Jason <laughs> yeah, yeah. Michael Porter Jr. and a second rounder I think probably sounds like Jay <laughs> yeah, for, for OG not a second rounder <laughs> I think God. It, I, it was definitely centered around Michael Porter Jr. but I think there were like maybe two firsts in there no um, there was it was not two firsts it was definitely I'm pretty not sure two it was firsts. two no. Michael Porter Jr. and two first would have been a really good offer. So I don't think that thing was ever offered. Yeah. I don't, I don't know I don't if the Nuggets so. have two first. I'm finding give. the whiteboard. 
I'm finding yeah, the whiteboard. Yeah, find the whiteboard. Go back and find the, the way, picture. I'm so stoked for for this year's trade game. It's going to be so oh, man. rad. I was thinking about that the other day. Such a fun episode. Chase, I'm curious to get your thoughts on, uh, I mean, so the Knicks moving forward, obviously this is, I, I threw out the idea that maybe this is sort of part one of a bigger move. Do you feel like that's the direction they're going to go? Or do you feel like they're going to kind of keep their chips for now and see how this team works out? It, it's interesting because it felt like I was not a fan of the trade at first on behalf of the Knicks. It felt like the Raptors had gotten... Um, the good end of the deal by, you know, offloading someone that, you know, probably wasn't happy. They got an RJ Barrett in return and the Knicks already for quite a long time. And fans were just not super high on RJ. So was, that was kind of like, everyone was kind of like, okay, you know, cut their losses there. But then to get rid of quickly, I also have been excited about watching him. Uh, he's, he's progressed a lot this season, but then I saw the notes, you know, it's usually the second tweet from Woj that has like the kind of details of the trade. And once I saw that, that um, precious Ichua and Malachi Flynn were heading over, I'm a big precious Ichua fan. Um, he's not doing amazing this year. I think he's averaging like almost eight points and five assists a game. Uh, and then what do we got the line here? No, five rebounds, two assists a game. It just feels like this is the perfect opportunity for the Knicks to let a guy like Precious thrive. He's super, super athletic. Um, I see him as uh, kind of like a, like a young, gosh, not Miles Bridges. He's the worst example I want to think of in terms of a human being. But in terms of like the athleticism, kind of like a, a very athletic a uh, big four that can, you know, as if he works on his three a little bit more, again, his career numbers for three is not great, but I like precious uh, Ichua going to the Knicks in terms of t- to answer your question, um, thinking about whether it's a pre move to get someone else there. Like, I don't know, <clears throat> Donovan Mitchell. Uh, I don't, I don't see that right now. It seems like, it seems like this isn't like a, a cap, space table clearing thing it feels like if they're going to make room for donovan they would have they wouldn't have gotten someone back like an ananobi and a newbie and a um, gosh dang it to to make room for donovan to come and but i could be wrong but it doesn't feel like a move like that for me yeah i don't i, I just am very very curious to see what the knicks do from here on out what direction they go in are they going to just kind of stand pat for the rest of the season maybe revisit next summer or are they going to try to make another move um it'll i mean a lot of this will depend on what other guys potentially become available on the trade market over the coming months right especially as as some of these guys become available i think that uh depending on when guys sign their contracts right isn't there something that some of these guys don't become available until like mid-january i could be wrong on that but um then you got the trade deadline a couple months away so time will tell but i'm excited for ananobi to to be on the the next i think he's a great pickup on that note Let's go ahead and uh, move into our New Year's resolutions, boys, shall we? We ready? We geared up, ready to go? All right, so uh, we're uh, we're recording this on January 1st, so it is officially the new year. And, you know, with, with uh, the new year comes New Year's resolutions for all of us. It's time to focus on changes we want to make, you know, new habits we want to form, new year, new me, all that good stuff, new, new habits we want to form and then break like four or five days later. Um. Okay, so for, for this segment, we all brought two changes we would like to make or things that we would like to see within the league from now through the end of this 2023-24 season. Uh, it could be related to the league as a whole or to a coach, a team, a player, a scheme. There's really there, there, there are no parameters around this, so let's get crazy, shall we? 
uh zach we're gonna kick things off with you what do you got for us let's go one let's go one each so let's start with zach and then we'll do kind of round robin so someone may have done this one last year i didn't check the receipts uh but like most new year's resolutions new year same resolution it just keeps coming back again and again (laughs) and again but we're hoping to break the cycle this year my first new year's resolution is for zion williamson to get in shape Maybe in bet. It's a good one. I mean, it's a classic. I don't really know who he is. Maybe embedded deep down within him is the desire um, to like be great and to and like a true love for basketball. But there's just something about this guy's mentality, and it shows itself in how he comes into camp each year. How he's unable to break sort of these habits and these cycles that we see him go in where he's working out really hard. And then he comes in overweight. He works, works out really hard. He's coming in overweight, but um, maybe there's something psychological to becoming famous. So young, especially as he was sort of like the first to really get famous and like the super famous from the full social media world. Uh, There are large expectations and I don't know if that maybe drained his love of the game. But look, he's averaging 22-6-5, and five, uh, shooting 58% from the field, 33% from, from, th- from three, which is all right. And all of this leads to like some very good advanced stats. But there's just this feeling for me that there's definitely something more to his game. There's a fire that is missing. He keeps the Pelicans as a decent team, but not a great team. He seems to tire out. He sits plays out. And often just seems like he doesn't care. But I, I really want him to care. I want to see what he can be because he is truly an elite, like MVP caliber uh, talent. And he could honestly dominate the game similar to other like unstoppable bigs in the league, like like a Shaq or perhaps like a more apt comparison is like a Draymond Green with a really offensively dominant game. Like, that's who he could be. So uh, I want him to get in shape. I want him to be able to do that so he can stay healthy. Because as we already talked about the massive weight of unbearable talent or the unbearable weight of massive talent or whatever we want to call him, uh, that weight will always be a massive injury risk. So please, Zion, don't be like my guy, Sean Kemp. This is the year, Zion. Make that resolution. Get in shape. That's a really great one. Bill Simmons on his podcast last week, he went through and ranked, he did power rankings for all 30 teams. And when he talked about the Pelicans, he went through Zion's uh, stats from the start of his career to now. And it was really interesting. A lot of his stuff has gone down every single year. Free throw attempts, like all the stuff that you would, you would kind of associate with kind of that peak athleticism. And the dude's not old. I mean, how old is he? Like 23, 24? He's still so young. And I'm with you, Zach. When he's right, in my opinion, he's one of the funnest players to watch in the league. But I don't feel like he's been that for a while. And this season, there's just something missing. I can't really put my finger on it, but it's, it's, uh, he's not the same guy that he was even like two, three years ago. And that makes me a little sad. I know, Jason, it makes you like extra sad, right? To not have Zion be dominant. Actually, actually, you know, it being, uh, January 1st and just thinking about my own, my own goals for the year, I'm like, Zion and me, let's get, let's get in shape together, buddy. Let's call the same <laughs> nutritionist. Uh, you know, let's, let's do this. So I'm, I'm, I'm feeling some, some, some empathy for Zion that I normally don't feel. And, uh, and, and, you know, 
maybe that should be a new resolution also to give more empathy to my enemies. Empathy to your enemies. There's a little bit of a, you know, little rhyming going on there. It's nice. Um, champagne for your real friends, real pain for your sham friends. <laughs> well played. Well, well played. Well, Jason, on that note, let's let's kick it over to you for your first New Year's resolution. Besides you getting in shape with Zion, what's your what's your basketball related one? Yeah, besides that. Um, so this is going to be some real old man yells at cloud stuff. And I feel like I've, I've, I've given a lot of hints to this being my underlying feelings for quite a while, but it's just, can we, can like the league as a whole, just play a little dang defense, honestly, like reach. Can, can we just like maybe guard and like stop people from scoring sometimes? (laughs) Like if a guy drives to the basket, could we challenge the shot? Like, is this because of all the Pistons <laughs> games you've been watching lately? Because that's how I feel. Can we guard without fouling? Is that possible? No? Okay. <laughs> that's a big part of it. That's a really big part of it. Um, let me put a little, put some, put some stats in here. Um, uh, the best defense in the league right now, Minnesota Timberwolves, have a defensive efficiency of giving up 105.2 points for 100 possessions right now, so 105.2. The worst defense in the league, the Charlotte Hornets, are giving up a whopping 119 points per 100 possessions. Um, that's insane. And I just looked at like the last five years ago and 10 years ago and how much that's changed. Um, Twenty In 2018-2019, best defense in the league was giving up 103 points per 100 possessions, so a couple points better. Then, uh, then Minnesota, that was Milwaukee. And the worst defense was Cleveland at 115.1, a whole four points better uh, than the worst team. And if you go back 10 years, it's even crazier. Indiana in 2014, shout out Verticality, Roy Hibbert, my guy. Um, <laughs> Deep cut. Uh, he, uh, they were giving up 96.7 points per 100. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's crazy. Whole- 10 points better per 100 possessions than the best defense uh, this year. And the worst defense back then was the Utah Jazz giving up 109.1 points per possession. Uh, which, which would be like one basic, of the best defenses what, now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which would be, yeah, if I have it right here, it would be fourth. That, or oh no, it would be God. fifth. That, that's what Philly is giving up right now. Um, I don't know what needs to happen. Um, Y'all know that I'm like kind of uh, 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 tinkering mentally with how do we kind of how do we like pull back on the throttle when it comes to threes. Um, I don't know if we need to move the line back. I don't even I don't know. I mean, Kirk Goldberry's old uh, suggestion was cutting off the corners potentially. Um, uh, I don't know if the league needs to do something. I don't know if the league needs to like uh, stop calling the ticky tack fouls that all of us. Uh, I think are in lockstep about um, let defenders have a little of their own space uh, uh, against offensive players, or if we just need somebody to come along like Tibbs did like 20 years ago and come up with a new defensive system to deal with this. But it just makes the game so like, to me, it makes the game feel so like uh, homogenous and random and um, and just like, I don't know, take some of the drama out of it, uh, it feels like. Now, I think when the playoffs come, 
Um, it starts looking a little bit more like the basketball I remember. Um, but these regular season games, man, are just like, it's just a, it's just a three point shooting contest. And it's just, I don't know. Let's play a little defense. Come on. Ice, ice. Did you see? <laughs> Build the a wall. Break- <laughs> also, I'm 80% sure that this quote is, is accurate, but did it, anybody see the Rick Carlisle uh, quote from earlier yes. this week? No, that one was real. That one was real. <laughs> you, can throw, you can throw it out, Dan. Like, you know. can throw it I'm out like, there. I'm, watched, safe. I'm like, I watched the video, but, you know, AI, we'll see. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> throw it out for the people that haven't heard it. Yeah, um, I'm not going to get it verbatim, but it was something like, uh, you know, when you're dating, even dating, a pretty girl can get boring when she doesn't play defense. <laughs> yeah, it was a real mixed metaphor. He was like, we have the best <laughs> offense in the league, but even when you're dating the most beautiful woman in the world, uh, it can get a little boring if she doesn't play defense. <laughs> pretty good. Pretty good. I mean, I guess my question for you guys. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, how much of this is like the offensive surge that's happened in the last 10 years versus it's just, it's hard. It's like a chicken and the egg thing, right? Like I do think though, Jay, your point about three pointers is, is spot on. I mean, it's kind of crazy to watch these games and see guys just jack up threes like that. That's just, that's their primary point of attack. And it's not the best to watch. Um, unless you're like, you know, Steph Curry and you're doing stuff off the dribble and then you're hitting crazy threes, then it's fun. But Something's got to give because you're right. There, there is. Uh, it doesn't feel like there's a lot of, of defense being played right now, and it's it doesn't make the game as fun to watch as possible. I have a question. So in the in the 80s, offensive efficiency was pretty high. Like I think it was comparable to what it is now. I don't know the exact numbers, but it's at least comparable. And then offensive efficiency took a huge dive in the 90s, right? And so that's when right you get the old heads now, like oh well, back in my day we were you know, arm barring guys like or like clotheslining guys like on the court. And, you know, we used to mix it up. Right. So there was like all that. And the league definitely seems like it is it the last at least the last couple of decades has moved towards, hey, we're going to turn the product on the court into something like that, like generates offense. So the league probably looks at the same stuff that that Jay looks at. And it's like, oh, awesome. We're doing great. We're, this is exactly the product that, that we want. And so I'm, I'm wondering like, well, what, was there anything that, that the league did in the eighties that really promoted like, uh, defense? Because that's, that's the, the way that it ran back then. Is there anything that they did then that we could do now, um, that, that would help? I think it's time to sign our, our first bench reactions research paper. Uh- <laughs> the white paper. Me and Dan no. will work on it together. We'll do we'll, and we'll do a uh, we'll do a Brad do it. about it. We need more <laughs> oh, <Bob> yeah. <laughs> Let's that do it. That'd be sick. A Brad about that. Let's I'm still working it. on my blog content. So any if anyone else <laughs> if anyone else has more hey. to write, we could use it. Hey, me and Jay. Me and Jay are the only ones that have pumped out articles so far. I know you guys are Pumping and dumping. Pumped out. Pump and dump. All right. Well let's uh let's let's move on to yeah. Chase. Chase, what's your first resolution that you have for us? Yeah. Yeah, I've got a couple. My first one, uh just my my first one here in my turn. You know, I think we we're all in agreement 
not only us here as a podcast, but the world of the NBA is in agreement that we're going to give the Spurs this season to just, you know, get Wemby, get, get his baby giraffe legs under him, you know, get him some muscle, get him used to the pace of the league, let him, let him cook, you know, and just, just get this roster, just keep the team afloat. Right. Um, because they're going to need some serious help next season. My resolution, my hope is just to put all the good vibes out into the universe in such a way where uh, it's more of a hope for others to have the resolution that the Spurs can just get better next season. Next season, they they need to... We cannot let what's happened to Luka and the Mavs. Luckily, the past couple seasons for Luka and the Mavs have been much better. But the first like three or four seasons, by the end of the third or fourth season, it's just like just disappointment to watch Luca just struggle with the rest of his team, the weight that he has to put on his back to carry them. Um, you know, so it it made sense that they made the huge move, you know, even if it may not have been the right move, we'll see to bring in Kyrie, you know, to help Luca. I want the Spurs to do better next season because it's not good right now. They're 25th. Uh, in the league in points scored per game, and they're 28th in opponent scoring per game. They let they let opponents score 123 points per game on them. Their offensive rating is 29th, and their defensive rating is 25th, and their net rating is dead last. They just need help. There's some bright spots, right? They've got like Devin Vassell and Kelvin Johnson. They're chipping in. They're doing their thing. Um, but they need they need a point guard. They need their Tony Parker. They need to bring in someone to to come in and, and be the admiral on offense um, and set the pace there. Because right now it's just like hand off to small forward, small big, and then see if Victor can, you know, take one or two steps after the half court line and dunk all over everyone. Um, get him some help. My resolution is like to put the vibes out that the Spurs really take C- Victor's season two seriously. Yeah, your uh, Ty's here, Jones here. is available. Dude, I was literally just gonna say, I know you're you're such a hater, but I'm like, why couldn't they go out and get Tyus Jones? They've got the pieces to go get him. I'll I'll save my Tyus Jones take for one of my uh, later my my second resolution that we'll talk about. But no, Chase, I think you're spot on. I mean, I I I brought up, you know, for my letter to Santa last week that I just what what the Spurs are doing right now is kind of an atrocity. <laughs> And if it weren't for the know. Pistons, like making headlines with how bad they were, the Spurs are so lucky that the that the Pistons have been this bad because they've only won seven games this season. I'm going to say it. five. I thought that they won five. five games. I'm going to say yeah. I think the Pistons are going to end up with a better record. I think the Ooh. Pistons are going to end up with a better record. than uh, the Spurs. Five and 27. Yeah. Spurs only won five games. It really it would just come just down to whether Pistons. Pop decides he wants to coach. I honestly think he's actively coaching for them to lose. He is a great coach. We think of him as one of the best coaches of all time. He knows how to put out a rotation, and he's not doing it. It has to be intentional. It's the only thing that makes any sense in my mind. He's doing crazy stuff. So I, He must just be I, focused I, I on the like player the development are actually right now. This bad. Yeah. yeah. Can I just throw out? For that out, reason, like, I agree with you, Jay. I think the Pistons will be better. I, can I just say I... It's it's there's kind of an interesting thing going on in the NFL right now where like and I'll connect it but like where um, they you draft a rookie quarterback and if it looks like that rookie quarterback is decent you use all your money and you just go super all in 
while they're on a rookie deal because it because you have all the money to like pay everyone else. I wonder if that would that should apply to NBA team building. If you're like, yo, for these next four years, Victor's going to be making like, you know, like <laughs> like less than Alex Crusoe money. Like, like should we, you know, go crazy with our salary cap and our spending right now while he's uh, uh, on that rookie deal so that we can try to win while we have this advantage? Um, but they are clearly, clearly not doing that. And, you know, I think it makes sense for the, his first season to not take that approach because you got to see what you've got, but they've got something. So time to do something. Good job. Chris. I think it's that fine line, Jay, between like pushing all your chips in right away versus being bad for long enough to like get high draft picks. Right. And the Spurs, but, but in the case of the Spurs, I just feel like Wimby is such a transcendent talent that, and I don't think this next draft is even, I mean, I, again, again, I know that drafts change, you know, the, the pundits come out and say like, oh, this is not a very good draft. And there's always at least a handful of guys that are really, really good that, that come through. But this is a situation where I would definitely push all my chips in. Just what we've seen from him in the 30 games or so that he's played so far is otherworldly. So I think it's time for them to, to, to make it happen. Let's, um, I, I'm, we're going to go to me for my, my first resolution. We're gonna be. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna bring some positive vibes here uh, for this this resolution here. Um, one of my just a side note. One of my personal uh, New Year's resolutions for this year is to stop watching Atlanta Hawks games. So just gonna throw that out there in the universe. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. time. Yeah, I, it's time. Yeah. I need to stop. I need to, I need to stop doing this to myself. Pretty birds. <laughs> pretty birds. <laughs> the pretty bird hawk. <laughs> I just thought he was quiet. Oh man. Well, so I my here so my uh my first New Year's resolution is to hear De'Aaron Fox's name mentioned more often in the best guards in the league conversation. I feel like this guy never ever gets mentioned. Um and there's a good reason for that, right? We've got we've had we've had some, you know, definitely a breakout year for Halliburton. SGA continues to be dominant. You've got Booker, Luca, if you want to throw him in as a guard. There's a lot of really, really good guards in the league right now. But just to throw some stats out about De'Aaron, he's averaging 30 points a game. It's a career high for him. Six assists, five rebounds, 1.6 steals, shooting 48% overall. He's shooting 40% from three. And his attempts are up from five attempts per game last season to 8.8 this season. That's a huge, huge jump. Uh, for a guy that in the past has not really shot a ton. I, the last couple of years, he started to pick that up. His pick and roll stats are incredible. So he averages eight and a half pick and rolls a game, 1.08 points per possession. That's that's in the 91st percentile for uh, guards that have played at least 20 games and average at least eight pick and rolls per game. The only guards that are better than him in the pick and roll are SGA and Halliburton. Um the Kings are 19 and 12 overall. They're fifth in the West. They're on pace to win 50 games this season. And I think he's still one of the most exciting guys to watch in the league. Definitely one of the fastest guys in the league. I think the only guy that's maybe giving him a run for his money is Tyrese Maxey in Philly. Um, but I just, I, I, I never hear him mentioned when we talk about or when any of the like main NBA podcasts talk about guards. And so it's time Whatever you think about the king, setting whatever you think about the Kings aside, I have my own thoughts about their, you know, whether they have a legitimate shot of going far in the playoffs or not, but they're a great regular season team. And this dude is a legit, legit point guard that deserves to be mentioned more often. So that's my first resolution. 
That is a fantastic resolution, Pat. You'll be happy to know. I've started looking at like all NBA MVP all-star picture. And as I was doing it, I decided to redo my top 50 rankings. And Darren Fox just made his first appearance in the top 20 players in the NBA. So I'm right there with you. He would be an all-star starter and maybe even a uh, all-NBA first team. I think I have him in the second team right now. But, of course, we're too early in the season to really know anything. Um, but he would be if it wasn't for Luca and Shea both being in the West and being just incredible this year. So, yeah, I'm totally with you. Darren Fox is amazing. He's the reason why the Kings have become a good basketball team. I still agree with you that they're not a legit contender, but they are what they are and what they have been these last two years because of Darren Fox. Boom, baby. All right, Dan, let's move on to your uh, your resolution. What do you got for us? All right. For this resolution, it's kind of a quick one that I completely stole from Tony Jones, if he's real. Who can say? Um, the Jazz have been on a tear. They're 7-3, and three, their last 10. Uh, no really, really big signature wins over great teams, but still 7-3, and three, not bad. A big change that they have made that I want them to keep doing for their New Year's resolution is to continue to start Colin Sexton. Jordan Clarkson had been starting. And Jordan, so and this is Tony Jones' observation. He was like, "Look, uh, Jordan Clarkson is going to give you exactly what he's going to give you, whether he's starting or whether he's coming off the bench." Colin Sexton has really responded to starting, and has been playing really well, and has just been scoring, attacking the rim, uh, doing everything that he was doing in Cleveland, looking a bit like his old Cleveland self. And it's funny because the minutes are about the same. But he's just, again, really responded to starting. And I think that feeling like I like the little the little coaching things that you can do to motivate players, right? Because as we learned from the great Phil Jackson, right, X's and O's, that's important. But you got to be able to to get the most out of your players. And that little adjustment of saying, hey, we're going to start you. We value we, we value you like this. We want you to bring your game in these minutes and not conform to what, what, you know, I want you to do. We need you to be you for this time has brought, has brought it out of Colin Sexton for this past little bit. You know, are they uh, now on the road to winning a playoff series? Who could say, you know, jury's jury's still out. Jury's jury's still out on that. So I can you know, say, <laughs> we're, you know, we're, yeah, we're, we're just, we're just going to let the chips fall where they may. But I like I like the the move of starting Colin Sexton. I want them to keep doing that. I don't I understand why they weren't that starting you went, with, went with the jazz related take for your first resolution. Sorry, Zach. <laughs> I don't understand why they weren't starting him last year. I thought when they made the trade that the purpose of part of the purpose of that trade was to have Colin Sexton as starting point guard. They paid him and everything. And Jordan um, Jordan Clarkson has always been a sixth man. That's where he thrives. That's what he is. He's a scoring guard who comes in off the bench and gives you a boost. Uh, they should have been doing this a long time ago. I mean, I don't disagree. I wonder how THT managed to get so many minutes like earlier in the season. And THT still yeah. is not a terrible player or, or anything, but, well. but Sexton, <laughs> like, well. like <laughs> THT He's not a point guard. He never no, has no, been no, a no. point guard. He's being yeah. forced into the role. I mean, I think, it, it, I think he came yeah. from the Lakers off that high of, you know, the Lakers were high on him up until the very end when they weren't <laughs> right. Jay. Uh, and I think there was <laughs> some of that where <laughs> um, 
Sexton coming from Cleveland. Like it was sort of one of those kind of down, like ah, it doesn't seem like the vibes are going to be immaculate. Uh, and I think they wanted to, especially since the roster had gone through such an upheaval, they wanted to see if they could transition Jordan Clarkson out of the six man role. But I agree with you completely, Zach. He's best off the bench. He struck fear into the hearts of, of men when he stepped on the court, knowing that he wasn't on the court and knowing that he was about to enter the court late, you know, early in the game is such a good role for him. He's definitely one of those, let him cook kind of players. Um, but I, I, I also agree with um with Dan's take that that Sexton should now be the starting point guard, uh, and give while like letting Keontae have a ton of minutes, and then they can at the end of this season make the determination. Okay, do we you know go all in on Keontae or not? They should trade Jordan Clarkson now. Let's be honest. Like there are other teams that that would I think pay for his services. Should have traded Jordan um, Clarkson that. Two or three years ago. <laughs> I know. It makes me so sad. I it know. makes yeah. me so sad because he's, he could still be that sixth man, but the writing's on the wall. Like it, it feels like now's, now's the time. Yesterday was the time to, to offload him and offload his contract. And, and just a sixth man know, exists move, move for like a playoff team. That's where you need like a really good sixth man. That role for a, a team that is rebuilding, it just doesn't really fit. There is something to be what said for keeping fans. What, what are you saying, Zach? Yeah, we're wait, not a we're guys, not a playoff. They're not, they're not gonna team. win a playoff team. We're not a playoff team. <laughs> my prediction, my prediction is that we'll get the ten seed and that we'll get into the play in tournament. That's my receipt from the beginning of the season. I still think that's doable, but we will not make it past the play in. <laughs> Chase I think Dan ate his receipt. Chase still has his receipt, right? Oh man. Oh my it. goodness. <laughs> Sorry, well, Zach, let's, let's go to Zach. Let's go to you for your second resolution. What do you got for us? So even those people who are doing very well can take advantage of the new year to make resolutions to just make those incremental improvements. And this is exactly the case for one of the best GMs in the game, our guy, Sam Presti. Eventually, you prove that it's not just luck but skill. This guy, for a second time, has put together a trio with unbelievable upside in Oklahoma City. The first had three of the most individually gifted basketball players in history each of whom won an MVP, has that trophy there on their mantelpiece. Uh, This time around, there may not be three future MVPs in the locker room, but the fit of these three might be even better. But per Presti's MO, there's a treasure chest of future assets sitting there waiting for the right time to be played, and he's not playing them. This is absolutely the right way to build. You allow your young talent to develop. You gather assets as you can. But eventually, you need to make a move, and right now is the time. The Thunder are second in the West at 22-9. and nine. They're on the doorstep of contention, yet we saw in the offseason Sam uh, just acquired more picks by taking on bad contracts, and then recent comments have sort of continued in that tone of patience and, and like we aren't there yet sort of comments. So the one resolute tweak for Sam Presti is to shift that tone uh, in favor of winning right now as well as in the future, instead of only focusing on the future with this team, because they're good right now. You never know how the dice will roll, especially with a young, talented, hungry team. Uh, obviously, he shouldn't cash in all or even like the majority of his chips. He doesn't need to go get a star, but 
it's time to start adding like the little veteran pieces around the crew that could pay dividends when the rubber meets the road in the playoffs. And we've talked a little bit about guys who would fit that, like Kyle Kuzma, Daniel Gafford, maybe something like that. I'm in. I'm in. Count me in to all of it. I wholeheartedly agree, Zach. I, this team is too good to to not start to push some of those chips. Look, if we if we had like a, a handful of first round picks, it might be a different story. But we've got like 30 picks in the next three, four years. Like you're not gonna be able to have that many guys on the roster anyway. So why not trade some of these dudes that I think could be legitimate rotation pieces on other teams that are getting basically zero minutes on this team because of how deep the team is um, to other teams and get, you know, some guys in return. I think that I think the Washington trade you just threw out is a great one. I think that those guys could be had for the right price. Kuzma might be a little pricier, but um, I think he'd be a great fit and Gafford would be a really nice extra big. That That's my biggest concern right now is, is, this team is not super deep when it comes to front court depth. Um, you know, you've got basically like Usman Jang, Jay, big Jalen Williams and, uh, and Chet. And that's basically it. Um, Olivier Saar is another guy that doesn't really play, but he's another big, um, if they could get a legit, another legit big, maybe another wing, I would be a, a happy, happy man. But like they just beat Minnesota, Denver again, both uh, beat Denver on the road. Um, they smashed Denver at home a few weeks ago. Like the team is showing real signs of being legit. And I think it would only take a couple minor tweaks to put them in that contender conversation. I think my question is, you know, you, you chemistry is such a, such a special little thing, a special factor that you can't really always, uh, uh, get a handle on when it comes to how it's affecting the situation. So like, you know, who who do you guys think could get like bumped out of the rotation for this team without kind of without jeopardizing this this fragile or potentially kind of fragile, perfect vibe they have going on right now? It's a really good question. I mean, when Zach threw out the Kuzma Gafford idea yesterday on our text thread, I was starting to think about, OK, so if, if we if we slot Kuzma into the starting lineup, who is he, you know, replacing? I think it's probably Giddy. I don't know, Zach, how do you feel about, like, I just don't think you, you can't take Dort out of the lineup, obviously SGA and J-Dub and Chad. I mean, I, I just think that Giddy's the most logical response there. Yeah, I don't know exactly what I would do. I was trying to think through that as well. I think Kuzma is in your closing lineup, and then you kind of go with hot hand between uh, Dort and Giddy or who you need the defense from. Do you need more rebounding from Giddy? That sort of thing. I might start with Kuzma on the bench if he's willing to accept that role and he doesn't it doesn't hurt too much to try to keep that chemistry that they've built in the starting five. Um but Kuzma's definitely closing for me. So I love it. I love it. Well, Jay, let's uh let's kick it over to you. What do you have for our second or your second resolution? So last year uh I had one successful uh bench reactions uh New Year's resolution and that was when I asked the Washington Wizards to figure out what you do. Uh, and they did it. I think they really did. <laughs> they definitely picked a direction. Uh, and it, it's a currently, presently depressing direction, but it is certainly a direction. Uh, and so I'm very happy, very happy about that. Um, so I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that again. Uh, I'm going to give out the, uh, the second annual Jason figure out what you do 
New Year's resolution. And I'm going to go a little close to home. I'm going to say, Los Angeles Lakers, figure out what you do. Like, they, it's not, it's not like the Wizards where you have to, to figure out the direction of the franchise. The direction of the franchise is obviously ride LeBron James and Anthony Davis until this thing, uh, until the wheels come off this, this bus that we're on. But, but in the last, well, basically this whole season, they cannot figure out their starting lineup, their rotations, what players should be playing, what players shouldn't be playing. It, part of it goes to like a little bit of a too many guys situation um, where there are guys who all provide some sort of value. You know, Jared Vanderbilt is a great defensive player, uh, have, but has his issues on the other end. Uh, Cam Reddish, to some extent, also, um, you know, uh, but like, you know, and they're they're obviously tantalizing young players. I've talked about Max Christie before. Um, Rui Hachimura can be really great in some matchups when he has it going, and in some ma- matchups, I'm just like can't can't seem to to figure out what's going on with him. Um, the Lakers. And, you know, and then, and, and obviously part of this can also connects to Davidson being hurt. Um, but they just keep, they keep tweaking their starting lineups. Now they're, you know, as of yesterday, um, they went with this, uh, starting lineup where they inserted Rui. Um, Reddish is hurt right now, so that affects it too. But they, it, it seems like every two weeks, Darvin Ham announces some new starting lineup. Um, he said, you know, Darvin said that this starting lineup from yesterday, uh, which lost by 20 points to the Pelicans, of course, um, of Anthony Davis, Torian Prince, Rui Hachimura, Jared Vanderbilt, LeBron James, um, that that starting lineup is going to play for the foreseeable future. Um, but, you know, obviously Reeves started the season uh, starting, now is on the bench. He's been great, basically whatever role they put him in all season. But they just cannot figure out the right cocktail, kind of what we were talking about with, OKC. Um, so they need to figure out what, what they do outside of LeBron, uh, Anthony Davis, and Austin Reeves. Because LeBron has been amazing this season. Anthony Davis has been top 10 player this season. Uh, Reeves has done everything he's supposed to do basically all season. But they cannot figure out who among the other guys should be playing. And a lot of Lakers Twitter people you know, seem to seem to feel like the ultimate answer should be the starting lineup that got them as far in the playoffs as they did last year, which was Russell Reeves, uh, LeBron, Rui mostly, and AD. But that 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 lineup was playing a lot at the beginning of the season and, and just not looking great. Um, and so I think what they may have to figure out is a consolidation trade um, to go from having like, you know, like nine decent role players to five actually really good role players potentially. Um, because that's, that's the too many guys problem is you never have too many great players, right? If you have too many guys, it means that a lot of them aren't actually rotation guys for your team. Um, and so anyway, that's a long way of saying January 15th will make things interesting. Cause that's when a lot of the Lakers players who sign new contracts will be able to be traded. Um, and they may just be treading water until then, but 17 and 17 at this point in the season with these, with the way that the stars have been playing, is just not acceptable. And Darvin Ham needs to start feeling the pressure. 
because um, he is just like, reaching around and flailing for what he's supposed to do, and he needs to he needs to start figuring some stuff out. I hate wasting this AD season specifically. I was looking at some numbers this morning. I mean, he's sixth in PER in the entire league. He's played, I think, 32 out of 34 games. The fact that he's been that healthy and honestly dominant, especially defensively, like he's averaging, I think, 2.6 blocks a game. I mean, he's just a defensive menace and they're still not winning these games games. Granted, you know, a lot of them are coming down to the wire that Minnesota game the other night where LeBron's foot was just barely, barely, barely on the line. I mean, I think you can make an argument that it wasn't on the line and a lot of people have on Twitter. Um, so it's not, I mean, some of these games are not far off, but to go to New Orleans and get crushed by 20 points against a team that's been, you know, pretty up and down the entire season is not ideal. I just, yeah, I'm 100% with you, Jay. They need to figure out what they do. All right, Chaser, let's go to your uh, your next resolution. What do you have for us? My resolution is... Uh similar to Zach's vibe of making incremental uh, measured but small and realistic changes to uh, my behavior this year. I want to focus on watching more teams, spending more time watching teams that I typically wouldn't watch, uh, mostly just because I want to make sure that my view of the league is uh, continuously informed and that I'm giving everybody a fair shot, especially if I uh, you know, uh, am going to be sharing opinions on them. Uh, in these pods, more particularly, I'm going to try to get myself to care more about a handful of teams that I just usually don't care to spend my time watching. Namely, in the Eastern Conference, Dan, be be nice to me, Dan. Be nice to me, okay? All right. I The Magic have shown up this season. They've shown up, okay? But I need to show up for them more. I have to show up for them. So I'm going to show up for the Magic more. Uh, I've resolved to do that. I'm going to show up for the Wizards and the Hornets and the Raptors more. You know, they're, they're speed, these brother. are these <laughs> Some are of those are rough, rough watches. <laughs> <laughs> it's rough. I got at least put in one game like a month, one to two games per month for them. And then in the West, uh, you know, maybe I'm biased because my teams have been in the West. I was raised in the West. Uh, going to try and watch the rock, watch the Rockets more. Uh, you know, and the Blazers more. The Blazers is is a weird one for me because every time I tune in and watch the Blazers, I hear just that smooth, buttery voice of Kevin Calabro calling those games. And it just makes me sad. It just makes me sad because he called the songs games of my youth. And I went to junior high with his daughter and it's just... It just makes me sad listening to those games, wishing my that my you know, team isn't there. Uh, but my re- my re- my resolution is to give more time to the teams that I've not been giving more time to, uh, to to have a well-rounded NBA perspective. Can we just it's say I love resolution. that the Pistons weren't on that list? That we've all been watching the Pistons <laughs> we've like, like yeah. crazy. <laughs> it's such a blessing. Uh, that's what the that's the silver nope. lining yeah. of the streak is everyone's been watching the Pistons recently. just like that Boston game it's literally felt like effect. a playoff game it was crazy the atmosphere like oh yeah. man I was so locked in so nervous I'm so nervous for you <laughs> we all have opinions about like Killian Hayes now <laughs> Marcus Sasser Marcus Sasser thank you Asar Thompson let's free him too can we do that come on now can we get a little few a few less Isaiah Livers 
minutes. Oh my gosh! <laughs> like, like just just a few, just a few less. <laughs> the fact that we're Isaiah even mentioning Livers. Isaiah Livers on this pod, <laughs> he's gonna say, "I can't believe we just like put that name on the air on this pod." <laughs> we should I mean, have he's done in the NBA, Brad. good for him, but we should have done a Brad. Oh, uh, we definitely after, should have done a Brad after uh, they won Saturday yeah. night. That would have been fun, won, but oh, that's well. a good yeah. call. Yeah. This is a momentous, momentous occasion. That's what Brad's are for. Uh, all right. Well, let's move on to my, my so my second resolution. Um, again, besides <laughs> stopping myself from watching Atlanta Hawks games, is I want so, and this is actually along the lines of what Zach outlined, what Jay outlined as well. I want teams that are on the cusp of championship contention, or that have, and or that have transcendent superstars to push their chips in and go get what they need to become true contenders. And I'm not even saying that some of these teams need to go out and get superstars. I think a lot of it is kind of work around the edges, but um, some of these teams are already considered contenders, but I would like to see them make a move or two to really solidify that status. So the teams that I have on here, OKC, Zach talked about already the Lakers, Jay, you just talked about them. I've got Miami, Minnesota. It's time to bring Tyus Jones home, Philly, Dallas, and then uh, Golden State. Uh, the Golden State Warriors uh, would be my my last team. So I had those seven teams outlined. I just feel like some of those teams, especially you look at a team like Golden State, like just wasting another incredible Steph Curry year where he's healthy and he's playing at the peak of his powers. Um, you know, some of the other teams like Philly, Miami, I really think it would be just slight tweaks around the edges to get them to where they need to be. Um, and same thing with Minnesota, Dallas is probably a different story, but I just want to see some of these teams. I would be so fun to see teams that we don't expect to make it far in the playoffs to, to do that this year. And I think that we have a legitimate shot with some of these teams that are kind of on on the up. Dude, you know, you know how I feel about, about that. You know, I feel about teams, uh, not, uh, not messing around and going for the gold. If, when you have a superstar, uh, uh, you gotta. It's it is your moral imperative to put them in a position to win the championship. Thank you very much. Preach, teams. You have twenty four hours. Uh, all right, Dan. <laughs> let's let's kick it over to you for the final resolution. What you got? Okay, so I cheated. I have two. Uh, so my second is for the Hawks to trade Trey Young. The third is okay. So for the third. Was looking at my my beloved Magic. Um, they started the season pretty hot. Contender for our fake Final Four or fake uh, NBA Playoff Committee Final Four at that point. Been on a bit of a skid recently. Uh, four and six over their last ten. Uh, they had been playing one Wendell Carter Jr. at center during during this point and. Shocker of all shockers, Wendell Carter Jr. got hurt again. So that means that they're going to put Goga Batazzi back in the starting lineup. Go, at go, go, Batazzi. <laughs> <laughs> go, 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 Batazzi. Keep him at center. Keep him at center. He's been playing great. They have had um, really good defense while he's been at center. And it's funny because I've always been talking about their guards. And I still, you know, you would think that my New Year's resolution for them would be get Tyus Jones. <laughs> I've really repented about Tyus Jones. I like that. I like that fit. <laughs> um, but I'm, I've, I'm actually saying now, hey, keep Goga Batazzi as the starting center. Might be time to move on from Wendell Carter Jr. I don't know if that's too early to say, 
But what I am saying is that when they had Batazzi and they're playing Bancaro and my, my precious Franz Wagner, uh, they looked really, really good. So keep Goga Batazzi at, at starting as the center. I love it. I love these deep cut I'm resolutions. So, <laughs> I'm so down for this, dude. It's like when... Uh, I was reading the Showtime book about the 80s Lakers and it was like Pat Riley was just saw something in Kurt Rambis that literally no one else saw. I think Gogo Batazzi <laughs> is the Kurt Rambis of He totally is. Orlando. He was a first round pick for the Pacers and he never played ever. Kurt Rambis. He's, he's free do think, now. Do, do, do you think it was his glasses? Pat Riley saw a little bit of himself <laughs> reflecting back on the lens of his glasses. Well played. <laughs> well played. Can I just say it's it's just like so uncool. Like like I kind of like adopted the Pistons at the same time that Dan kind of adopted <laughs> the Magic, and they were like pretty similar to te- like quality teams at the time that we jumped on board and. Uh, and- He's just on this <laughs> rocket ride to success, and I'm, I'm just like <laughs> praying for a free wing stop every night—not <laughs> just for you, but for everybody to get free wing stop. The great Sorry, people of Detroit, about the Pistons. I'll stop making every <laughs> conversation about the Pistons. It's just so anyway, so the Pistons, right? Am I right? right. <laughs> oh man! All right. Well, great stuff, boys. As always, uh, Chase, bring us home with our our mud pie moment of the week here. What do you? Uh, what what sloppiness? stinkiness have you prepared got a little poop too this one (laughs) this this is uh this one's quite the toot poop um so an interesting video surfaced this past week of nba referee tony brothers talking about how he doesn't particularly enjoy the game of basketball you know in the sense that he doesn't like he doesn't enjoy it like a fan like he doesn't sit down to watch the game in his free time now like in a sense Okay, that that might be understandable. You might want to we might want to give him the benefit of a doubt. It's his job, right? Like uh if you're not an NBA player or a reporter, like if it's just kind of your job, maybe you don't want to consume and be around more of your job when you get home, okay? Like, right? But that doesn't typically seem to be the case with anyone who works in the NBA, right? They kind of you kind of like eat, drink and sleep and breathe it, right? Especially like if you're someone that's in that's in the public eye at least from on a television screen like Tony Brothers is. So that was kind of interesting. You know, he talked about wanting to go to law school and it just kind of, you know, his mom had made a call to someone and, you know, he wanted to become a judge and now he's, you know, refereeing NBA games. And that sparked a bit of a curiosity to go down a rabbit hole to think back again about this whole like uh NBA referee accountability thing. Uh, how the NBA is holding refs accountable. Rewind. Let's rewind to January 23rd of this now past year when the Lakers are playing the Celtics in Boston. The ball, there's 4.1 seconds left on the clock, tied at 105 apiece. LeBron gets the ball at the logo. He drives left and is very clearly, pretty clearly, we're going to say clearly fouled by Jason Tatum. So, right? Boom, time to review. They go to the they go to the, the screens and the no call, it was a no call at first. The no call stands. Everyone thought LeBron was being overly dramatic, but once the video started to hit Twitter, then Twitter X, it is an X by that point, uh, it was pretty clear that the review was still false. And this was just another massive pain point in the system of referee accountability. 
a bit of context before we we dive into that moment. So Adam Silver has said that referees are, quote, absolutely held accountable for making mistakes, but the league keeps their discipline private. He said, we don't publicize discipline for officials. We don't think that would be appropriate, which he said in a recent interview with with Sage Steele on SportsCenter. Uh, and there have been solutions that have been talked about, like, hey, do we put more refs in a game? I think that's an interesting solution where, you know, they kind of rotate one or two refs, maybe like sit out, catch a breather or something, you know, just, you know, make it less uh, heavy on the particular uh, group of refs on a game. Maybe there's more more cameras, more camera angles. Uh, that feels that feels a little bit like, uh, oh, yeah, we'll just throw some more cameras in there. That feels like it's something related to a symptom uh, of the system and not solving for the actual problem uh what i'm saying here is that they need to make these private assessments like more public it really isn't about like a camera angle it's not in my opinion it's not even about how many refs are refing a game it's the fact that this system is set up to kind of keep unfair power dynamics in a place where they can maintain their way of doing business in a way that only benefits them and it protects the power that the referees have in a way that negatively impacts the perception of the game. Uh, maybe not very much, but it negatively impacts it quite a bit, especially in these the literally most important moments of the season. Uh, it, 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 it drives all of us insane, right? So I, there needs to be, this is essentially my call for uh, more public accountability. I, I think the need for transparency has already like been established, right? Like if there is more transparency, it will foster better trust among fans, players, and teams, knowing that the officials are going to be actually held accountable for how they're disciplined and reassure everyone in charge that the league is prioritizing fairness and accuracy, right? Uh, it would lead to improvements in officiating standards, right? Like as if they're openly addressing mistakes, the league can demonstrate their commitment to learning and evolving, which is kind of crucial in sports today that sports continue to adapt and evolve. And so I think to, in order to make this all better, they need to enhance transparency. They, they should consider the NBA front office league office should consider uh, publicizing any disciplinary actions that take place against the referees, especially for significant errors like the January 23rd game. Uh, it would show their commitment to keeping standards high, uh, but also like respecting the fans' right to know. We're the ones that pay uh, the salaries, in essence, right? We keep we keep this league going. Uh, and implementing this is gonna is gonna help because it could also expand the use of instant replays because the refs are gonna want more tools to help them do their jobs right, knowing that they're held accountable. So everybody's gonna win. Uh, I, I just I just. It, it it just needs to change just because it isn't top of mind right now in the media uh, doesn't mean that it, it shouldn't be addressed. We need better systems. We need more public accountability uh, for the disciplinary process uh, for any of these refs. Um, it needs, it needs to happen. And this will help the NBA take a big step forward to keep the standards high for the sport uh, the standards that fans uh, all over the world deserve. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The sec he thank you for bringing up the second annual horrible uh LeBron call that is easily debunked easily debunked, uh, debunked. by video. Uh, two years in a row. That's last year it was Patrick Beverly showing 
showing the oh, camera was... with yeah. a picture of the foul <laughs> the camera, on it. The camera. <laughs> Yeah, and this year it was LeBron standing in front of a video of himself pointing at his toe, not touching the line. Oh boy, uh, bro! Thank you, Chase. Toe on thank the line. You. Yeah, that's a fresh one too. Citizen oversight of <laughs> law enforcement <laughs> is necessary. <laughs> yeah, these these dudes on their power trips, man. These refs. Tony Brothers coming out and saying in the video that he wanted to be a judge, and that's why he became a ref. Like. So he can be judge and jury, is that what he said? An executioner or something? <laughs> like, it's like he's judge, uh, jury, and executioner. Uh, okay, Don't we're all sick of the Scott Foster show. We're all yeah, sick of the Scott <laughs> Foster show. I honestly think part of the reason they're afraid of the accountability and making this stuff public is because I think a lot of in these situations they're not disciplining them for, and, and I think part of it is because sometimes the things these refs are doing are actually like things that they're being told to do and we don't necessarily know that like the technicals for hanging on the rim and and all of that stuff it's like i, I think such a, even if, worse man if the league if yeah. that's the approach the league is taking sorry Jay. <laughs> i no I, seriously though i think i think that if if they were if if it came out they would have to discipline them and then the ref would be able would probably be able to tweet something or give a press conference that said, I just got disciplined for doing something the league told me to do. And then be this whole just PR uh, disaster for the league. Um, but yes, thank you for sharing. And the, right and the final this. like two minute reports are so, so bare minimum. It is so like when you compare an entity like the NBA to other entities, like a government entity or other businesses uh, like the one I work for, a social media company with how like the scrutiny that we're put under with the money that we make, like it doesn't even come close. Uh, now the history of my, my company is quite not good in regards to what they've done in the past. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> with, with how they what? protected personal information. I'm so glad <laughs> I, uh, I'm shy for one. Uh, yeah, no. Um, it's, and I'm so glad I was not working there when all that happened. Um, but uh, it's just like a two-minute report, like the stuff that my company does now to to be proactively uh, transparent about like literally everything we do. It it people can still disagree with what the company does, but now at least they know what we're doing because we're doing we basically do everything out in the open, especially as like a U.S. based company with like government rate, like. I cannot tell you just at work how much I run into stuff where I have to make sure that I'm following privacy regulations. And it's good. It's a very good thing. I'm not complaining about it. Like we should throw it out. Like I'm just making my point here that the NBA does so little. They do so little from a transparency perspective compared to similar billion dollar corporations uh, that uh, that have much more strict uh, transparency regulations in regards to like the things that fans and the public cares most about that they are that are getting these calls for transparency sunlight okay, is the done. best disinfectant as they say <laughs> Jay, off the top rope <laughs> alright boys well I gotta bounce this has been wonderful ringing in the new year with, with uh, all you guys and we'll uh, we'll get it next week